Hello and welcome to And The Winner Was. My name is Joel Winstead and this is my journey. I'm watching every Best Picture winner in order, starting in 1927 with Wings, and each episode I'll be covering a different film with a different guest. With me again today for the second time is uh, film critic Edwin Arnada of Asheville Movies. Thanks for coming back, man. Thanks for having me. We talked before about It Happened One Night, uh, another Clark Gable picture. Um, back in episode seven and now you're here closing out season one and closing out the 1930s yeah you know it's a it's a it's a good decade you know i feel i feel honored to be here and um double enough with with mr clark so yeah um hopefully i can get invited back for more than just clark gable in the future but i don't want to <laughs> no. you know think that i'm just specializing in him but uh you know he, he he does have quite the mustache so gotta respect the mustache game he does and he had he was in three best picture winners in the 1930s this uh mutiny and a bounty and it happened one night so he can he kind of ran the table in the 30s um but yeah this time we're talking about gone with the wind written by sydney howard based on the novel by margaret mitchell directed by victor fleming and George Cooker for a few weeks, and Sam Wood for a few weeks, starring Clark Gable, Vivian Lee, and Hattie McDaniel. It's about a manipulative woman and a roguish man conducting a turbulent romance during the Civil War and the Reconstruction periods. Um, that's one way to put it. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into <laughs> it. But I, I absolutely like hated the Clark Gable, and Vivian Lee in this movie. They're like. The worst human beings. Uh, I, I wanted to start off and talk about this film's staying power and its popularity. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can go into like any thrift shop, any pawn shop, and you'll see like the two like VHS set, the two pack of Gone with the Wind, or you'll you'll mm -hmm. you know any kind of like anniversary. Like this thing is around and it stayed around. Right. For being such a problematic film, and also I'm, I'm coming from, I'm in North Carolina, so maybe there's a little bit more pride uh, in it. Um, but this thing is, I mean, out of, I would say out of all the best pictures in the 1930s, this one is the, the absolute, the largest, the one that's like definitely stayed in, in, yeah. you know, in, in film history, that's for sure. Yeah, just like growing up, it was just kind of part of the cultural conversation. It was just kind of looming there. It's like it was unavoidable for me, even, you know, not knowing the future that I would kind of go on to write about film, but it was just kind of sitting there like, you ha you have to watch this. You know, you're from the South. Mm -hmm. This is this is a story you have to reckon with. And especially someone that, um, I mean, my, you know, my partner, Heather, and I had this conversation just coming back from the um, Aaron Sorkin adaptation of To Kill a Mockingbird and talking about kind of the yeah. legacy of, of, of the South and wrestling with it even back in, you know, the, 19, the, the 1930s when that play is set, you know, and um, just thinking about my relatives and how my grandfather was around relatives that fought in the Civil War and how that kind of shaped his psyche and me growing up and you know the going to his house and seeing confederate flags and um, mm -hmm. the confederate generals paintings kind of on the wall of his living room and just um it was it was just quite a lot to contend with and you just think about if you're in georgia or this part of the deep south when sherman's coming through burning everything just right. how much more you have to contend with which was not what my family in Southern Virginia, North Carolina had to deal with. So yeah, it's just kind of looming there um, for people in the South. And yeah, I'm, I'm kind of curious about that with you two being kind of a, I don't want to say carpet bagger, but you know, coming, coming from the, <laughs> coming from the North down the South, you've, you've seen both sides a lot more than I have. And just yeah. like, like what, how does, I mean, was, was it talked about in the North as well growing up or was it not really until you came down South that you really kind of got into it? Yeah, I mean, more so, more so when I got in the South. But I mean, in the I so I'm from Minnesota, and um, there's there's definitely parts of Minnesota that are very like hick Southern. I mean, there's people that there's people out there with with uh, rebel flags and Confederate flags, yeah. and um, I mean, I definitely you know this movie was still you know talked mm -hmm. about and and in, in in my you know peripheral. I had I had never seen this movie before. This. Watching it for this podcast was the first time I had seen the movie. 
Um, but I didn't have like a traditional school upbringing either. So like it wasn't like shown in like history class or anything like that. Right. But, um, but moving down to the South, then it's just like, it's everywhere. You know, it's like, it's like there's posters like in the storefronts and, you know, it's like, mm -hmm. it's kind of crazy. Um, and it's, you know, I'm, I'm kind of wondering if it's kind of got the staying power, especially in the South, because it had such a heat. The book was huge. Yeah. And then, yeah. I mean, the book sold 300,000 copies in the first three months, 100,000 copies a month, um, which is insane for night. I think it came out in like 1934, in the mid 1930s, um, which is huge. And so there was like this huge push to, to get the rights. And um, David O'Sullivan that got the rights for like 50 grand um, and wanted to make his, his epic masterpiece. He went Kubrick on the thing, but it was a huge deal. And at the, at the premiere of the movie in Atlanta, still under Jim Crow uh, law, uh, Hattie McDaniel couldn't attend, even though she's mm -hmm. one of the stars, was not allowed to attend. Crazy. Um, there was over a hundred thousand people just there to attend the premiere. Like it was like a, it was like a, a, a statewide event, you know, and this was 1939. So there's people's grandparents that were there. You know what I mean? Like there's like a staying power of like, I was there when Vivian Lee and Clark, you know what I mean? Like I'm, you know, like mm -hmm. the, the fact that there's just so much of it's, it's just so prevalent here, especially in the South. Um, yeah. And it's kind of insane because like I said, it was not that long ago. Jim Crow lots still in effect. Uh, had a McDaniel not able to go. Um, and this movie definitely views the Annabellum South with the lens of like nostalgia and like like a, a of, mm -hmm. of something we wish we could get back again. You know, like the the stupid Civil War ruined for everything. You know, right. like yeah. it's um, you know problematic to say the least. Yeah, it's like this and um, Birth of a Nation, you know, um, about mm -hmm. almost 20, no, almost, uh, yeah, almost 25 years before this, I guess. And um, man, talk, I mean, you think this is a long set, try try sitting through Birth of a Nation. You know, I know there's that scene in Spike Lee's Black Klansman where, you know, the right. KKK kind of rallies around it. And I thought that yeah. was the funniest if, if you've seen that movie that's the funniest part of the movie because like no you know ignorant white man is going to sit through four hours of a silent movie no no matter how racist and you know uh, supportive of their misguided ways it is so yeah, it's like it's, a, it's kind of a one-two punch of like well you know maybe we can bring some of this back maybe this isn't as far off as we thought it was and mm -hmm. um and yeah, oh, and that, yeah. I mean, I mean, I think yes, yeah, Spike Lee opens Black Klansman with um, a, a, a scene from Gone with the Wind that that big epic um, tracking shot where they kind of pull back from the from the mm -hmm. the wounded, you know, mm -hmm. and so he's kind of poking holes in in that myth as well, which I think is you know well well warranted. And uh, uh -huh. yeah, it's 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 a, it's a, it's a pretty strange, uh, artifact <laughs> I'll say. Um, and yeah, and, and, and to have endured and, um, but I do think it's, I don't know. I, I would say, I guess like 20 some years ago, they, they did like a anniversary re-release in theaters and it was kind of a big deal. But since then, I, I, I feel like it's kind of fallen out of favor and I don't think most people would consider it as high on their, you know, AFI list or their mm -hmm. best picture list as, as they would, you know, mm -hmm. 20 some years ago. I think, I think we've, we've come a long way as a country in that time, you know? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I think it's, I think it's, it's, you know, I've heard, I've heard Scorsese say that this is um, of its time, probably the, the best, one of the best studio pictures yeah, to to come out like one of the best like productions of, a, of from, from like a studio. Mm -hmm. um, it's like it it's it is held in like a certain regard just for like the technical aspects and in the and the mm -hmm. you know the pushing forward of certain things like color and things like that. Um, and we'll get into the different things of like you know some beautiful cinematography and things right, like right. that. Uh, but it's kind of like you know <laughs> your left and your right hand doing two different things because. I don't, you know, on one hand, it's it's beautiful and it's got some great stuff in it, and on the other hand, it's like, 
oh my god like, <laughs> not good man um you know but they, there were there were many groups of people from all sides of things going after david selznick and being like you have to portray it this way you have to portray it that way you know that he had he had the, the kkk writing him letters and telling him mm. to portray it a certain way and then he had um the NAACP in different places, in different things like that. Um, uh, African-American groups challenging him to, to, to not be stereotypical and things like that. And, and he, he contends that he, you know, appealed to everybody, which I don't know if we're trying to appeal to the KKK, if that's super great, but you know, they, 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 they lauded it as progressive at the time, which is kind of insane considering even at the Academy Awards, Hattie McDaniel and her, the person she brought had to sit in the very back of the room by the kitchen <laughs> and uh, was like the only black person there. Yeah. Um, not great. Um, but even, even aside from like race, like the gender politics in this movie are my goodness. Yeah. Out of this world, man, it's crazy. And it, <clears throat> and it kind of starts, it starts behind the scenes. Uh, aside from like the make America great again, <laughs> bullshit, there's, there was, there was this, you know, the back and forth between these big studio players like Clark Gable um, is, is insane. What the, one of the reasons why George Cooker, or Cooker left yeah. was because he was in Clark Gable's eyes, uh, a homosexual mm -hmm. and Clark Gable thought he was a woman's director and he was going to make Vivian Lee, the star and, and Clark Gable like would, would threaten him and, and, you know, say like very disparaging, terrible things to a homosexual person. Um, and it caused them to like quit and leave. Uh, and then in came Victor Fleming, uh, who was also known for uh, slapping Judy Garland across the face and was it of Oz to get her to, to stop having the giggles. Um, uh, Mr. Rhett Butler, Clark Gable, uh, was paid $120,000 for his role here. Um, Leslie, the, uh, the lover, the, the, uh, that, that Vivian Lee is kind of obsessed with the whole movie. He got paid $76,000. Vivian Lee got paid $25,000 and Hattie McDaniel got paid $6,000. Um, but yet they're being so forward and they were being <laughs> so great to everybody and appealing to the masses. So progressive. Yeah. Yeah. So progressive. <laughs> uh, but that's 1939 for you. And like, I don't know, man, uh, sketchy, sketchy. Yeah. And, and 39, I mean, you mentioned wizard of Oz same year. I mean, it's kind of like the birth of the Epic in a lot of ways. And, you know, they've kind of each stayed in the cultural conversation since then, you know, and, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. yeah, just kind of wild that we've got these kind of, first forays into huge studio colorization um, and which, yeah. which people were like really upset by. They thought that color was like a gimmick, like a cheap gimmick to, to get more people into the theater. Really? Like it was, it was like the 3d of its day. So this was like, you know, avatar, you know what I mean? Of its day. Um, they like made like a special, we'll get into it with the awards talk, but they you know gave it a special award for its, use of color mm -hmm. um my very next my very next note on this is that clark gable is doing some pretty great eyebrow work <laughs> in this movie <laughs> uh, the older that i get uh the more my eyebrows um start turning into eugene levy and so i always mm -hmm. i always notice these <laughs> eyebrows on people and gable's got he's doing some great eyebrow work here yeah, and you know, as someone who feels like a young Scorsese with his own eyebrows, I can definitely relate with that. You know, <laughs> it's an art. You know, it's an art, and um, yeah, you gotta you gotta use them. I guess you know, after talking about him being the inspiration for Bugs Bunny when we talked about it happened one night, you know, now he's right. right. kind of taking it to a different level of um, iconography here with with playing Rhett. I mean, it's just. And it's it's different. Yeah. It's it's way different than I remember. I think I, I don't know. You, you kind of grow up with like, oh, it's Rhett Butler. He's just kind of this 
you know, Southern gentleman, but then you, you, you watch it and he's like, you know, he's, he's kind of a heel, you know, he's kind of playing against that as much yeah. as he can. He is a complete asshole. Well, so I, I so I, one of the things I vividly remember growing up was this old lady, um, who I had a friend whose name was Rhett and she goes, Rhett, like Rhett Butler. Oh, and I just remember her being like, what a gentleman. And I knew who Rhett Butler was even when I was a kid, because I, because of you know just it being popular and yeah. um and this old lady was like swooning over Rhett Butler over Clark Gable and I get that Clark Gable is like a like a handsome dude but like Rhett Butler is is a terrible human being oh my God. like I, yeah like I, I I was so surprised I thought this was way more of like a romantic epic movie especially looking at the poster that you see everywhere mm-hmm. um th- this is like is not <laughs> it's really not this is no. like a Noah Baumbach story. Yeah, it's like, well, you know, don't get involved with Scarlet because you're gonna die. You know, it's like, yeah, it's yeah. like, you know, if, if you're if you're looking for a way out, you know, just just get romantically involved with her, and within a few months, you know, you can say bye bye to your existence. Right, and you can also say goodbye to like any sense of like self, and uh, you know, I mean, she was like the worst gaslighter of all of them. Yeah, the the OG gaslighter, Scarlett O'Hara. <laughs> yeah, I mean she. I mean, at times she was worse than Clark Gable, but we'll get into like Clark Gable <laughs> and how how bonkers crazy he got. Um, but I mean, going back going back to the tech, the Technicolor here is pretty outstanding. Yes, agree. The way that they the way that they use it with the framing and like the visual techniques of playing with the foreground and the background framing, it's pretty mind blowing. Yeah. Um, and that, and, I mean, that, there's, and, that and, and that musical theme too. I mean, it just kind of all yeah. works together to just kind of pull at all of your emotions. Yeah. Like you got the visual, the audio. It's just like, whoa, where are we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and th- so I mean, there's you know, honestly, like some pretty jaw dropping um, moments in this film that that you know are being replicated. And um, you know, I I think Night of the Hunter does a really good job of using the foreground and background um juxtaposition like within the frame and there was a lot of that in gone with the wind that i noticed um this really stuck out and 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 blending that with the use of color mm-hmm. um which was new to use at the time and they, they I mean they spent months and months and months with everybody with like with getting their makeup right and mm-hmm. their their wardrobe and everything to look good with color um and selznick was was meticulous about it i mean they they had one they did one day of filming and had spent over a million dollars they had spent like a third of their budget in just one day um like that's how meticulous that selznick was being with this with this project it was kind of insane um but it shows it shows man it does and it it's it's honestly looks better than a lot of the color that would happen in the next 10 15 years it's just kind of weird because there's kind of that washed out um yeah i don't know i mean people love um was it the douglas cirque melodramas you know and those are just kind of feel almost older than this and older than wizard of oz it's it's weird it's kind of i don't know sometimes with technology you kind of click into it on the get-go and then these imitators come in and they can't quite get it because they are just kind of playing catch up and you kind of wonder if they're just working with inferior, um, you know, it, uh, equipment, intelligence, imagination, mm-hmm. uh, you know, some, sometimes you get it right the first time. And, and I think they, yeah. they did here and I think they did with, with, with yeah. the Oz as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I yeah, for sure. I, I think one of the things that, se- that separates this, um, and it kind of rises above its peers, but most of its peers is I, I felt like they used everything that they had mm-hmm. to the best that it could be used. So, you know, cameras, lenses, you know, framing cr- cranes, you know, mm-hmm. um, and different, different tricks within the shot, matte paintings, you know, like everything, you know, like it was all firing on all cylinders like all the time, like in every frame. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, and then, you know, there was a lot that was just filmed like inside the house or on the stairwell. Um, 
but you know, there was also like they literally burned down the entire back lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was one of the first things that they filmed because they uh, sells that needed to clear the back lot, and then they got permission. They got permission to just set ablaze like everything in the back lot, and there was there was like fire teams from you know Culver City and L.A. and everywhere else. Um, and uh, yeah, they burn on the back lot to, to to for that whole scene, and they superimpose some stuff in later. But um, yeah, they went they went one hundred into <laughs> this thing uh, at all times. Um, so you know, it's gonna it's gonna be way too long to go like shot for shot and 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 kind of like go through the movie. But a couple of things that stood out to me: some good, some bad, but. Um, like I was saying before, it's kind of mind blowing to me how, how beloved this film is to, to the people mm -hmm. that I, I knew, especially in the South. And like the people in this movie are horrendous. They're really, I would not oh, want yeah. to spend one minute with these people. New. So Scarlett O'Hara gets back home after the Yankees burned everything and she gets back to Tara. It's all torn apart and she's super upset that all her slaves are gone because no one's there for her to like boss around and it definitely wants you to feel bad for her it like it it puts her in a position to feel um to if you you feel for her it's like yeah. and that happens a lot with throughout the film it's like the, she's a horrible person she like you know, beats her slaves and gaslights the men in her life. And she's an incredibly selfish and narcissistic person. But yet when she has like minor inconveniences, like her slave is not around, like it literally tries to paint her in like a woe is me kind of light where you're kind of trying to sympathize with her. And if you're a huge fan of this movie <laughs> because you like Scarlett O'Hara, I don't know if your priorities are in the right place. Yeah, my my need to spend some time in the real world with some real people, but yeah, yeah, I mean, yikes! Makes you wonder, like, you know, what kind of intentional metaphor Margaret Mitchell had for like these ridiculous characters and like their relation to the South and sort of this um, entitlement that the South had at at that time. It was just like, yeah, we can be our own country. Sure. We can do that. We can, we don't need the North. We don't need this industry. We can just stick with this outdated way of life that, you know, they've been talking about in the U S Congress as being a plague on the country and something that's going to tear us apart, you know, for, for decades. Mm -hmm. and, and no, we're still holding on to this because, you know, we, we like it. It makes us feel good. And we're, we're just not going to let go mm -hmm. of it. And, you know, and, and, and I do think, yeah, Scarlett is a, just a very thorough representation of that, of, of this, this toxic existence of just, you know, being right. the most important person on the planet and just being totally unaware of what's around. But it's like, but you look, you know, but you're pretty and you have charm or whatever, and you can, right. Right. bend people to your will and that's just kind of how the white southern way was for you know a couple hundred years and um mm -hmm. yeah it's but it's it's really frustrating <laughs> to watch on screen especially today oh, and man. um yeah. yeah and some of the characters i mean i i feel like i don't know i mean even we, we should probably talk about melanie you know olivia de, de havilland and yeah. just sort of just being this white knight of a, of a woman just sort of standing up for people left and right that don't deserve it. I mean, what the hell, you know, how does she have such yeah. fortitude to just prop up these people that just had wronged her left and right for years? I mean, what, I mean, it's, it's, it's bizarre. Well, I think it's because the movie is framing those people she's framing that she's putting up as like the good guys. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's not. I mean, so Scarlett O'Hara is in love with her sister's uh, beau and adventure mm -hmm. her sister's husband. The whole movie, like mm -hmm. obsessed with him, mm -hmm. um, does everything she can to try and get with him, even while he's married. You know, constantly trying to like woo him away from his, her sister. Um, and the guy, like, 
kind of, you know, holds her off, but at the same time, like, kind of not really. Like, he was, you know, he definitely was, like, it, it wouldn't have taken much more to, like, convince him to to, no. to to be with her. And, you know, she ends up getting married, like, three times. <laughs> and, um, and Rep Butler being the third, the last husband, mm -hmm. um, and the, I mean, the worst one of the worst one of all, I mean, talk about two people that deserve each other, you know, Brett Butler, you know, famously frequenting his, his brothel, even, oh, yeah. even after yeah. he's married, you know, and then, and then, and then once it gets really bad between them towards the end, he was like threatening to kill her. <laughs> he was definitely oh, yeah. like, like had his hands around her throat and he he raped her mm -hmm. um that i i could not believe what i was seeing like like rep butler this guy mm -hmm. that everyone like loves and his swoons over in the south literally rapes his wife uh and the next morning she wakes up like humming and <laughs> like uh, um smiling um yeah what a what a fucked up relationship it's like an og phantom thread situation yeah, it's just like look look at people in the south they're just mentally ill you know they just you know just just put them in a big house together and let them stir yeah. you know just 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 see what happens and my goodness yeah it's just i just i i i don't get him i mean he's he's, he's such a weird person to figure out because it, he just seems like he's got this perfect kind of rogue existence you know he's a um blockade runner during the war you know he's just kind of being able to kind of choose his own adventure and be with whoever he yeah. wants to be and just right. any night it's just like well i'm just gonna do this i, I feel like this and next time yeah. i'm gonna do this and but yeah his i mean did you did you buy his connection to scarlet or no not it's like the whole entire time he was like this playboy you know yeah. han solo guy and he always was interested in Scarlet Hera, yeah, yeah. but it, it kind of more or less seemed like he was in it for like the conquest, not for like settling down right. and like, you know, getting, getting married. And, and yeah, it kind of seemed like the character was at odds with his choices. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of the movie, um, whether that was, you know, Gable kind of trying to portray that, you know, he wanted to be a roguish man, but, you know, ended up, settling down and coming to terms with that and then and then getting getting hurt and then you know doubling down and being you know a bigger dick um <laughs> but yeah it, it definitely it definitely was odd because mm -hmm. scarlet hera was like hardly it was never into him and he just kind of kept wearing her down wearing her down but it's just like why are you trying to wear her down like right, it's right. not it's not great it's not great um you know that so that there's also some other crazy stuff. Like, I don't know if they paid off the Hayes code people <laughs> or not, but there was like some abortion stuff Yep. and some like, maybe you'll have an accident. <laughs> like, again, I just could not believe like, I was like, people like this movie. Like I, so yeah. I, I liked the movie. I actually, I really liked the movie, but there's so much stuff in it. People, I like the movie for for its for its technical aspects, and I like the movie, and I like the 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 sweep of it, the mm -hmm. epicness of it, and 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 watching it was kind of like insane. Um, I like the experience of watching it, but like, there's people that love this movie. It's like their favorite movie, and I'm right. just like, why? <laughs> what is happening in this movie that makes you love it? Like that, like like to think about Red Butler and you know and and Scarlett O'Hara, you know what I mean? Like and and, and fantasize them, you know. Mm -hmm. Well, it, it, it's almost like they they passed out for most of the movie and just kind of woke up for the clip segments, you know, like the right. the, the the parts that we see on the AFI 100. It's like you know, there's there's some goddamn I iconic moments in this, and I mean, you're talking yeah. about like these, yeah. you know, these camera movements that we've kind of stuck with and these music moments and yeah. these iconic lines and um yeah but like in, in in the middle is you know kind of a mess and it's just kind of yeah. i was just like th this time especially watching scarlet with um 
um, Prissy, you know, kind of the the secondary yeah. um, slave is just like yeah. so cringy. It's just like yeah. even in 1939, I'm just thinking, how can you put a black character on screen that is just this kind of caustic and subservient and um, yeah. just flaky? I'm just there's just so yeah. much. There's just so problematic. I was just. In, yeah, incredulous that a character could exist at that time that was like this. Yeah, and well, and she, she, the actress Butterfly, got like a lot of flack for that for portraying like this, you know, stereotypical yeah. like dumb slave. Yeah, and and I saw an interview with her, and she just said that she's like, she's like, I didn't do everything they wanted me to do. She's like, I didn't eat watermelon, and I didn't. Um, something else that she didn't do, but like she tried to like justify it, and you know, like. I don't know. I don't know. She got a lot of flack for it. She yeah. Got a lot of flack for it. Um, but what you were saying before, like there's a lot of iconic stuff. Like mm-hmm. I-, I felt like, you know, that Leo meme where he's like pointing at the TV or whatever. Yeah. Like that was me. Like, so many oh, times yeah, that, one, one, that one, that one, that one, that one. So many things. I'm like, Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, I've been around film my entire life. I just never saw this movie. Um, you know, even the iconic, like, um, frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn mm-hmm. is a great, that's a great line, yeah. but when it comes and ha- and like the context of which of which he <laughs> says it makes it even better. But like, but like again, people people that I know, people that I've that I've listened to talk about this movie when they talk about that line, it's like they don't understand. Like he's being like a complete asshole. Like their oh, yeah. daughter has died, and she's like at the end of her rope, and he she's like trying to get him to stay, and he's like. I don't give a damn. And he like leaves her like, <laughs> I, yeah, it's just, uh, yeah. It's, I mean, it's great. I think that's a great line and a great, uh, a great context of the line, but um, yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's pretty, yeah, pretty wild. I mean, and I mean, there's, there's still like some of the less famous moments still work pretty well for me. I think like the stuff with, Scarlet's father, um, and kind of the yeah. bookend of him riding that horse is kind of a mm-hmm. nice kind of poetic intro and um, outro. You know, it's, it kind of makes it extra tragic. And then um, mm-hmm. when when their daughter is on the horse too, that's kind of like bringing it back to this sort of family mm-hmm. curse almost. But um, yeah, there's, I mean, there's there's little moments like that that I think do work and and probably should be celebrated a little bit more than than they are you know they 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 kind of get swept under in favor of these more iconic um tcm friendly kind of um moments um yeah right. were, yeah yeah were, were there any kind of small characters or small moments that really kind of spoke to you that you that that were kind of totally new to you that were outside of that kind of um celebrity clip role yeah, yeah. I mean, there was like there was like the, the quieter moments, especially the quieter moments of like Scarlett O'Hara, um, with her sister, especially in the wagon when they were yeah. kind of like mm-hmm. making their trek back to Tara. Um, but there, there was there was like real fear and like the sisters dying, and there was some moments there that it wasn't all about Scarlett O'Hara and her like. Um, way of life and it wasn't all about Clark Gable it was kind of these smaller moments between her and her sister that I really enjoyed um, and I thought were filmed quite well mm-hmm. and, and like kept that the tension up to keep the movie going because this movie is four <laughs> hours long um, I watched it in two different sit downs it's actually on HBO Max right now and I watched it and there's like an intro where mm-hmm. did you watch it? Do you own it? Do you own it? yeah I got that um was it the best picture box set or the that? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it's on two DVDs and and it's kind of like what you were saying earlier with the two VHS sets. Like you kind of grew up with the right part one, part two. It's just like mm. you know. I think I've advocated for how much I love an intermission. If there's a movie that's longer than mm-hmm. two hours mm-hmm. and twenty minutes, I'm like, can we get a bathroom break? Can we get you know? Can, can we can we all go to the lobby and have ourselves a snack? You know, like can we just mm-hmm. do this? And it was kind of nice to have that. You know, you've got the introductory music, you've got the intermission, you've got the kind of comeback music when people are kind of coming back from getting their uh-huh. le- lemonade and cracker jack and whatnot. So, um, mm-hmm. 
yeah yeah i definitely had the get up and change the disc experience which kind of brought me back to i don't know 1998 when i watched it for the first time i'm trying to remember yeah <laughs> uh well i i had that i just i i imposed it myself i pushed Good. pause on like i'm going the to bed because the movie's too long but there's an intro um by a person whose name I probably should have written down, but it, it's, it was, um, it was this black lady. Um, I don't know. She, I think she works for TCM maybe. I don't know. I can't remember. This is not good for the podcast, but anyway, she kind of introduced the movie and was like, this is a great movie. It's got a lot of great stuff in it, but it's also problematic as fuck. And like, this is why. And like, she kind of like laid it out. So that was, that was like okay. a pretty cool thing to experience before going into the movie. It was kind of like a disclaimer, but not really. Mm -hmm. Um, like a historical kind of big type thing, <clears throat> but it was it was it was good. And um, if you watch it on HBO Max, don't skip that part. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that it's weird because I, I did like this movie. Um, yeah, and yeah. it's 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 no, you know, it's not surprising that it has stood the test of time, and it has you know been like this kind of juggernaut in terms of, you know, it being in, in, in the forefront of people's minds, especially film people. And, mm -hmm. um, it kind of did, you know, touch, touch a cultural point in, in, in the zeitgeist, especially of like the South and things like that. Um, as far as like it's politics and it's, it's, uh, you know, it's not pushing anything forward. I, I don't know. I still can't decide if it's showing Scarlett O'Hara and Clark Gable, like bare bones, like this is these people. And it's like, you decide. And it's like, hopefully you just, hopefully, you know, like, Hey, these people suck. Or if it's like, look how great these people are. And, you know, don't you wish that the, that the civil war never happened? Cause look how great, Mm -hmm. the antebellum south was do you know what i mean like i i really can't decide what yeah what they're trying to, to to say especially that that close to it i mean like 1939 just being yeah on the edge of it and being like kind of we're, we're talking yeah. about earlier like can we can we tip back into that can we kind of you know, and, well, and they had the premiere in Atlanta, and it was right. still under like segregation and all that. It's like they could have, yeah. they could have been like, "No, screw that. We're going to, you know, New York. We're going to L.A. Like, you know, we're not gonna, we're not gonna be beholden to, you know, what this was trying to hearken to be." Which makes me think even more that you know, this is a love letter to the South, and you know what I mean. I don't know, I don't know. Makes me, I don't know. yeah, it's a little, it's a little icky. It's a little. <laughs> <laughs> makes you wonder what the end game was it's like you know the every, right everybody right. that was involved it's like what kind of backdoor deals did you have on this what kind of partnerships did you make what kind of conversations did you have you know it's even i don't know if you've watched the um making of the godfather dramatization series that's on paramount plus what is it the deal oh, no i think and yeah you know and you you, yeah. you kind of see the it's like well you know the the mafia was against this movie happening and Frank Sinatra was really pissed off. You know, there's all these behind the scenes <laughs> yeah. machinations yeah. on kind of a cultural level. And you're thinking, you know, and that's kind of the exact opposite with this. It's sort of like the South was like, yes, let's do it. Let's yeah. go. You yeah. know, come on. This right. is, this is our chance to come back. You know, it's like, we're, yeah. we're, we need some flag in the shadows. Flags, yeah. Yeah. You yeah. know, I'm ready. We need some, yeah. we need some bed sheets. You know, let's, let's 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 roll you know and it's just kind of like whoa like what kind of i don't know it's 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 hard to know what was happening at that time in hollywood but you kind of i don't know you, you kind of got to look forward and and see that it didn't really repeat you know you've got citizen kane what two three years later you know wizard of oz mm -hmm. the same year casablanca it's just kind of entering mm -hmm. this this different value system and you don't really see um the south or the civil war or kind of this backwards of politics kind of being in the mainstream for a yeah. while i don't think i mean unless there's some like ma um, big stuff i'm oh, i'm not thinking of I, I just feel like things kind of took a 
took a turn after yeah. this. You know, things became a little bit more progressive, and um, well, I just feel, you know, like it's 1939, but it's still, it's still this. It's still, it's not the Antebellum South in 1939. Like it's, it's no. moved past that. And it, there was a movie that came out in 2020 called Antebellum that kind of got met with like middling reviews, but I actually really liked that movie. I did too. Uh, yeah. And it's very, you know, I, I, I like the way that they, you know, they had like beautiful plantations and they had, you know, these, these, these antebellum touchstones, but it was, you know, obviously very clear that they were like wrong and they were the bad guys. And, and in Gone with the Wind, there isn't that distinction mm-hmm. there. It's not like, you know, this is, we're going to show you this. This is, you know, this is the way it was, you know, we're sorry. And like these, you know, this is, this was wrong, but you know, this shouldn't have happened. It's like, that's not, that's not the narrative. No. It, 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 it definitely like took, it took it another direction. And, and I don't know if I can forgive it for that, but um, yeah, that's a great point. That's a great point is that it kind of blurs good and bad. And like there, there really isn't a villain, you know, it's, it's just kind right. of, um, you know, now we can say like, ah, oh, those people, <laughs> those people are kind of fucked right. up, you know? And it's like, uh, yeah, but, <laughs> but at the time, because, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause we have, we, we have, well, we, we have hindsight, but yeah. Well, yeah, but they should have had a little bit of hindsight. <laughs> like Scarlett O'Hara, the person that you're with at the end who has been spurned by her, her lover and has been left alone is a huge major sympathizer yeah. for the South. <laughs> and like, that is our hero. Um, yeah. But I mean, you look at, you know, how long did it take for uh, black people to have the right to vote? You know, it was still almost 30 years later, you know, and, you know, the civil rights movement coming in. I mean, it was, it was a, it was a hard, it was a hard next 30 years, you know, and it's, it's, it's still not great. And, um, no, um, no. and I mean, yeah, I'm not saying it was like great in 39. No, 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 but I'm, 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 I'm saying just in terms of looking at the context and like when some change kind of started to happen, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's a very strange, I'm, I'm just fascinated by the um, reconstruction period. Just like how, yeah. I mean, my, my mom and I were just talking about this um, when, you know, this two weekends ago, we were kind of talking about like, how did the North come up with this plan for the South, you know? And like, like they, we were still such a young country at that time. How did we decide like, Oh, this, this is the way that we try to bring the country back together after half of it tried mm-hmm. to make its own country. You know, like what are you mm-hmm. turning to? Is it like France or some other societies that have had splits that have a blueprint or are you just okay. kind of, are you making it up as you go along? You know, we've, we've only been a nation for not even a hundred years at that point when this is happening. It's just like, mm-hmm. it's, it's so fascinating because we're just, you know, well, a lot of people in the U S think that we've just been around forever and we've really just been around not that long. And we're just kind of pulling from a lot of different traditions and just, yeah, thinking about reconstruction, thinking about Jim Crow South, thinking about civil rights era. I mean, there's just a lot of touchstones there that just kind of really make me want to delve deeper and just find out like who made these decisions, where did they get their inspirations? what was driving them, you know, um, what's lingering today kind of behind the scenes or in, you know, in, in, so in, in front of the scenes, you know, it's just history, yeah. history repeating itself to some degree, you know, history just kind of getting pushed back, you know, it's, I don't know. Just, it, it seems like these kind of toxic ideas get kind of shoved away mm-hmm. cyclically, but then they just keep kind of boiling mm-hmm. up and they come back and it's just kind of interesting to see how, certain figures can kind of pull that up and other figures can mm-hmm. kind of push it back down. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just the context of it's just fascinating to me. Yeah. 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 No. And I think that, I think that if, if you're going to have a podcast and talk about gone with the wind, like this is the way, <laughs> this is the way the conversation should go. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it, it, it's, uh, yeah, there's a lot of bullshit that you have to wade through <clears throat> and especially, especially, now um after the the big orange president that we had and and the and the 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 grassroots following that that he had and the support that he has um 
that probably yearns for uh, something along the lines of the Antebellum South. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of nuts that that there's like something that we can point to today as um, proof and evidence of um, right, right. Of, of things that are going on. Um, but getting off of that, um, even though I hated both the lead characters with every fiber of my being and they were terrible human beings, it was a pretty emotional ending that I wasn't expecting. Sure. Um, like they, it landed. Uh, however, you know, just a testament to, I don't know, the direction or the acting. I don't know what it was, but, you know, it, the ending definitely landed for me. Um, and and I, you know, it's a, it's a you know it considering the movie and considering the people that their lives are in shambles at the end yeah, of this movie definitely. like it's it's gonna be hard to pick up those pieces they're they've been emotionally and spiritually destroyed yep. um so I, I guess there's that you know I'm happy about that <laughs> you sit in your stoop and cry you piece <laughs> of shit. <laughs> Uh, really glad they didn't end up together. That would have been, oh, yeah, that would have been Jeez. murder suicide. Um, but yeah, I, I think, I think overall, this film has, is definitely has its place in history for a reason. And I, I'm glad I watched it. I don't know when I'll watch it again because it's so freaking long. Um, they should, HBO Max should do what they did with the Hateful Eight and like make it like a mini, like a television show and just like yeah, cut it up. It up. Yeah, and then we can and then we can just go. Oh, it's a TV show. Yeah, I'll watch that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like going forward, the way that attention spans are, and the way that people can just kind of binge a show, but they can't watch a movie that's mm-hmm. a third of the length. <laughs> you know, it's like mm-hmm. maybe maybe that is the way to remix old movies and and make it. Yeah. You know, just. There's there's a lot of cliffhangers here. I mean, you could turn this into like oh, yeah. a Bridgerton or a um, yeah. Stranger Things type of situation where you're just like, whoa, you know, like what's going to happen next? Yeah. Oh, Ashley, oh my gosh, you know, Scarlet, oh, where's she going? You know, right. ma'am, ma'am no, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm down for it. That'd be great. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Uh, so I kind of gave my overall thoughts and feelings. Uh, what what would you kind of boil it down to? Yeah, I think pretty similar. Um, you know, it 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 w- it, w- it was a movie I was looking forward to revisiting for a long time. It's just been kind of sitting there because of the runtime, and it's it it doesn't hold that place for me like Lawrence of Arabia does. You know, it's like where I want to revisit it you know every few mm-hmm. years it's like yeah i'm just gonna let that sit and I'll, i'm gonna come back when i feel you know motivated yeah. and um yeah it was it was it was neat to come back and see those technical elements but also be kind of horrified by the characterizations and 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 the writing mm-hmm. and all that it's just yeah it's just this weird mix of tastes and technology and ideology so um yeah i was i was like both glad to watch it but then i i definitely liked it less than i expected to this time i don't know i just Mm -hmm. seeing it for the first time as a 16 17 year old and just kind of taking in the scope of it but really not having Mm -hmm. the life experience or just the maturity to kind of analyze what's really going on um and then having a better take on that half a lifetime later it's just like whoa you know it's like right kind of impressive to see like what stands out and um what kind of horrifies you so but yeah i was i I, I remember i remember us kind of communicating as we were (laughs) going through our seven week watch of this and then trying to figure out like you know like what the hell are we going to rate this you know and just um And I think I had it higher earlier on and then it just kind of wore on me. And I'm just like, I, I, I felt more and more confident giving it a slightly lesser, but still positive grade mm-hmm. ultimately. And so that was, that was kind of a good journey just to kind of come to terms with like, you know, this is, this is a classic, but 
for all the reasons that you and I have just talked about. It's sort of like, right. But you know, <laughs> should it be like, should, I mean, this is not, a, this <laughs> yeah. is, it's like, this is not a five-star movie. You know I mean, it's like, I, yeah. I, I understand why it won best picture. I understand why it won as many awards as it did, but it's like today, yeah. you know, I'm not, you know, I, I, I'm not giving it even a four stars, you know, it's just like, it's just four, four out of five. I just, it's just not there for me. And it's mm. just, it's, it's, it's kind of weird to consider a all time classic and something that was in the top 10 AFI 100. The first time they did it, I think the second time they did it, I think it was still in the top 10. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. And just to be like, you know, I only give this three and a half out of five. And then that's kind of on the level of, you know, yeah. um, above average, but yeah, not amazing. It's like workable entertainment. It's like, you know, yeah. it's like there were some things that were pretty amazing here, but there are also some things that were just like pretty terrible. And like you average them out yeah. and yeah. over the course yeah. of four hours, and it's like, okay, this is this is what I got. You know, <laughs> do you do you want to know what I gave it out of five stars? Um, weren't you like four, four and a half? I'm trying to remember. It was four and a half. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, just under, just under masterpiece. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I mean, I talked mad shit too. I just, it's, uh, you know, seeing it for the first time at like thirty-five years old, yeah, and, and yeah. having having what I have under my belt. I don't know. It just, um, you know, it's got pro, it's got its problems. But uh, sure, sure, yeah. Um, anyways, so now it's, uh, I was, I'm gonna talk some. Um, it's this movie's fascinating to me in another way is that I love kind of like film trivia and film history. And um, there's a lot going on with this movie behind the scenes. So Max Steiner, the composer was only given three months to compose the music for this film, which mm-hmm. is insane. In 1939 was the busiest year of his career. He wrote music for 12 films in 1939, this being one of the 12. And like this score is like, yeah, the theme is like, it's like up there, man. It's bonkers. Like three months, and he came up with that. Um, um, but like Max Steiner, like if you if you like, I can't remember. There's a, a song that he wrote um, that is like used like today. Like he's got like hundreds of of credits on on IMDb because um, uh, his theme from a summer place. If you go to like um, Spotify or iTunes and just go uh, the theme from a summer place. And listen to that. You, you'll you've heard it in like a hundred different TV shows and movies. Um, yeah, Max Steiner, um, prolific. Um, but the movie itself had like a crazy troubled production. Like it's true. Like the the craziest, like most troubled productions. Like often you like the best movies. But film was supposed to start in 1937, but it was delayed until January 1939 because Selznick was determined to secure Clark Gable and it took a long time for that to happen. And so they filmed from January to July <laughs> and the role of Scarlet was, they couldn't find their Scarlet O'Hara. They, they did like a casting call, like 1400, like unknowns. They tried all the different leading ladies of the day. Uh, eventually it went to Scarlet O'Hara. Sydney Howard original screenplay underwent, so many revisions. Like if you look at IMDb, there's so many uncredited writers for this mm-hmm. movie. Um, and they were trying to reduce it to like a suitable length. So I guess four hours is suitable. Um, the, you know, the original director, George Cukor was fired uh, and replaced by Fleming, who was briefly replaced by Sam Wood because Fleming had like a mental breakdown. Um, and then it finally post-production finally concluded in November of 1939 literally a month before its premiere and the, and the, and then the, they ended up what they ended up with. It's just, just like, I don't know. It's, it's, it's crazy, man. And adjusted for inflation as of 2012, this movie made $4 billion. Wow. In 1939, like literally <laughs> everyone in the United States saw this movie like three times. <laughs> it's absolutely bonkers. What else were they um, doing? They're about to have a financial <laughs> crash, you know. It's like, yeah, it's like, yeah let's, let's live it up. Let's let's go see this four-hour yeah. movie three times in a week. Whatever, it's, it's <laughs> insane. So, this was the twelfth Academy Awards. Gone with the Wind received ten Academy Awards, eight competitive, and then two honorary awards. And it was nominated for thirteen nominations. So, it won for Best Picture, Best Director, and Fleming got that. 
best adapted screenplay and was uh, posthumously given to Sidney Howard because he died in like a freak tractor accident before the movie came before the Academy Awards. Uh, Vivian Lee won best actress and won best supporting actress for Hattie McDaniel, obviously the first African American to win the Academy Award. First Academy, uh, the first African American to attend the Academy Awards. Uh, it set records for the total of number of wins and nominations at the time. Um, it also won cinematography for a film in color um, because they also had a cinematography for black and white and then art direction and editing. Um, the honorary awards were outstanding achievement for the use of color for the enhancement of dramatic mood in the production. Uh, and then for pioneering the use of coordinated equipment. Um, so like the crane shot and all that, basically right. the crane shot got the award. <laughs> um, it was, uh, Clark Gable was nominated. Olivia de Havilland was nominated. Um, the sound recording was nominated. Uh, special effects and music didn't win, but they were all nominated. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I mean this this movie was like you know to to close out the the thirties and going into the forties really kind of left its mark on on the thirties and left its mark in in Academy Award history um, as like that juggernaut you know that that you kind of like it's kind of like synonymous now with like titanic and lord of the rings and things like that um but i don't think it had yeah. a match in between i feel like when titanic was you know having its big sweep it was being compared to gone yeah. with the wind yeah. because there just hadn't been anything even you know godfather uh, for as as many things as, as it won mm -hmm. you know it was still not on this level i don't think for yeah no, gone with the wind is the reason why we have the phrase sweeping epic you yeah. know like it's you know, David O. Selznick didn't direct it, but he he was a driving force behind it. And he was like, you know, he was like, he was popping these pills. Uh, so I watched a little documentary on this movie. Uh, he was obsessively taking Benzedrine, which they don't make anymore. I guess it's like the closest thing you would, it's like, it's an amphetamine. So the closest thing would maybe be like Adderall. But he was like, he would never slept and he was just constantly working on <laughs> the movie popping pills he's like you gotta get bigger gotta make it bigger it's gotta be in color like he was he was losing his mind but but he he did it he made he made you know uh, a movie that'll be around forever yeah i'm um i guess it's in maybe 15 episodes away um um streetcar named desire uh, have you have you seen that or or will will, will that be a first time for you it'll be a first for me so that's another that's Vivian Lee. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that was one that you had seen. Um, there's, I mean, there's plenty of blind spots I have um, in this best picture list. But yeah, I'm very curious to get your thoughts on that Vivian Lee performance compared to this one because there's that would be interesting. Some similarities, and uh, you know, obviously she's this much later in her career and going against Brando and uh, some yeah. of the other people, yeah. you know, on, in that film, which is. Terrific. I mean, it's it's for a you know so, something that's very much a stage play. It just translates so well to the mm -hmm. silver screen, and to have <laughs> you know this yeah. um, problematic lead actress. Yeah. You know that that yeah. that won best actress. I think twice. You know from those two films, fifteen years apart is yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm 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 excited for you to see that. It's 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 another milestone. Yeah, a lot of times when these big people win awards earlier in their career, they kind of carry that character yeah. with them. So I wonder how much Scarlett O'Hara is, is in is in Streetcar Named Desire. That'd be yeah, you'll find out. Interesting <laughs> to see. Um, also, this year, uh, Best Picture nominations were Dark Victory, Goodbye, Mr. Chips, Love Affair, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, uh, Ninochka of Mice and Men, Stagecoach, The Wizard of Oz. And Wuthering Heights, um, you know. And now we're getting into the. Because usually I do that. I'm like, have you ever heard of any of those movies? But I've actually heard of quite a bit of those movies. Um, and I feel like as we keep going into the into the you know 40s, that I'll have uh, more and more to talk about the the ones that didn't win, especially when we get towards um, How Green Was My Valley. There you go, Mr. Ford. Yeah, uh, winning <laughs> over. Um, Citizen Kane. Um, 
That's it. Thank you guys so much for listening. I want to thank Casey Townsend for the music. You can find him at waterwaymusicnc.com. If you're enjoying the podcast, please consider subscribing, rate it, leave a review, a nice one or a bad one. Just leave a review. Um, I'll be back next week talking with Cisco Scartosi again as we kick off season two in the 1940s. We're doing Hitchcock's Rebecca. If you want to watch that movie, uh, good luck. It's not streaming anywhere. You can't find it. My buddy owns the Criterion. That's how I was able to watch it. Um, so, you know, maybe buy the Criterion. Um, uh, so, yeah, good luck with that. You can find the show on Twitter at Winner Was Pod. You can find us on Facebook and the Winner Was Podcast. I'm on Letterboxd. Find me over there, Joel Winstead. Email the show. Tell me what you think. Winner Was Podcast at gmail.com. Edwin. Thanks again so much for joining me. Where can we find your work? Um, yeah, head over to AshevilleMovies.com uh, for the latest reviews. You can also follow me on Twitter at Edwin Arnauden. And you can join the Patreon and throw him a couple of bucks. Uh, yeah, if you around. want to. If you want to, yeah. Uh, Patreon.com slash AshevilleMovies. Yeah, we're uh, trying to get back to $200 a month. So please, please help us out. <laughs> Yeah, Jim Jim comes on and, 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 and dishes that out too. Uh, all right. Thanks again, everybody. Um, bye, 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 bye. <laughs> <laughs> I need to stop the recording. There.